You know, back home, uh, I wear a few different hats. I'm one of our assisting pastors at Calvary Chapel of Finger Lakes. And, um, but I'm primarily our student pastor, so I have the privilege of just investing into youth. So we have a small Christian school, and uh, my wife and I have been doing the teens for uh, over two decades now. Uh, I know it's kind of, a, it's kind of um, not typical. Usually the young 20-something guys come and go, and, and I started there, but I just haven't left yet. And, uh, and we, um, when my wife and I first started uh, serving the youth, um, you know, our children were born. I had this wonderful heart. Oh, how fantastic would it be to see my own kids go through our youth group and then exit. And we had the privilege of seeing that, and um, super hard. Uh, definitely one of the more challenging seasons of, uh, of, of my serving time. Uh, my son is a very gifted young man, but um, he's, uh, he's certainly, uh, um, cer- certainly a strong young man. Um, and the uh, Lord's still um, working on him for sure, like all of us. But uh, um, lately back home, uh, the Lord has just really been blessing um, the uh, just just been there's been a, a beautiful move of the Holy Spirit just on our young people and we've been seeing some great increase um, kids just serving the Lord um, looking less like the world and um, and just really getting after it in regards to our Lord and, um, you know, I've always, <clears throat> we, we too are kind of a, you know, a little rural country church. And, um, and uh, so we've never really had large numbers of kids. So I'm kind of used to having just, you know, kind of a, a certain number. And, uh, but it's been incredible just seeing the increase. And so as leadership, you know, we, we've just been, you know, starting to inquire, Lord, you know, is, what's going on here is, are we doing anything different? And the answer is no. We're not. We're not doing anything different. Um, we're still just trying to do, following the same old paths that we've been doing for years. You know, just uh, doing our best to, to teach the word. And um, you know, maybe there's some sin in the camp somewhere that might have you know frustrated the move of the spirit. Um, but you know, um, really, what uh, it's just been a fresh new work of the Lord, and um, so it's been, it's been um, causing me to, to think about, Lord, where you've had us over the past, you know, I'd say easily the past six or seven years, very difficult, um, seemed like we were sowing a lot of seed and, um, and just really not seeing a lot of great fruit. And um, so it's kind of what I want to share with you today is just some passage the Lord has, has brought me back. Last week we talked about um, this beautiful um, picture of discipleship between the mentor Elijah and the student Elisha. And uh, certainly we see uh, highlighted uh, Paul and Timothy. You know, Paul was certainly the, the mentor and Timothy was his young spiritual son in the faith that he poured deeply into. But, you know, as a church, we exist to do things, right? And, uh, and we've come to understand that we can't do it apart from this supernatural grace of God. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, the Apostle Paul, remember as his mentor, the spiritual mentor to Timothy, he said, be followers of me even as I am of Christ. In other words, he says, imitate me. Imitate me just as I also imitate, imitate Christ. And there are a lot of great examples in Scripture um, from Paul, the conduct, the lifestyle, the way he conducted ministry that we should imitate, right? It's, he's, he's a, uh, he was an open book to be examined and used by the Lord, not only um, then but now, right? But um, I want to just kind of scratch at the surface and just look at, I guess if we were to focus on probably the more important way we should imitate Paul as he was imitating Christ, it's probably how we imitate him in prayer. Okay, so that's what I want to look at this morning. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Paul writes, he says, I exhort, therefore... That, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and the giving of thanks be made for all men. See, prayer had a prominent place in his ministry. Paul had very, uh, a lot of powerful aspects um, about his walk with God. His testimony was awesome, right? And his calling um, and his devotion was impressive. And although Paul used his awesome, impressive testimony, um, I don't believe that was his greatest asset. Um, I believe his greatest asset was prayer. Paul practiced prayer so persistently, and we see it continually through his, his preaching, through his teaching, the writings, that you know, prayer is always um, just a, uh, is prominent. Um, in the dialogue that he writes. And we come to understand that in ministry, right? And, and remember, we, we are all called to ministry, right? We are all called. We all have different callings. You may not be, you know, spending um, your Friday nights in the midst of a bunch of teenagers, okay? But wherever the Lord has us, um, he's called us to, to minister. And, and the word ministry really means servant, Right? And so, so wherever he has us, and um, so the key to ministry, as you know, is, is to simply practice, put into practice what we preach. In other words, what we say must run parallel with what we do, right? And Paul prayed constantly. It was unceasing. And if you take a, a survey of Paul's writing, you'll see just how often he prayed. We see it in Acts. We see it through the epistles. And we see how he taught about prayer. And we also see how often he would ask others to pray for him. And, and I have a, just a question for us, a little rhetorical question, is how do you want to be better used by the Lord? Knowing that God has already put in our hearts a desire to be used by him, you know, what's right now in the season of your life, how do you want to be used better, more effectively, um, to be just really spent for him, to be poured out? 
the thoughts may be like, you know, I want to be a dynamic teacher of the word. You know, I want to, I want to make sometimes complex things just, just more simple. I want to excel as a mentor, you know, as a disciple maker. You know, the Lord has given us um, wonderful seasons of life to, to grow and mature and have wisdom, and then he gives us the opportunity to, to pour deep and invest in others, you know. Um, you know, certainly I've said, you know, Lord, how, how do I increase the size of our youth group? You know, how do I become a better worship leader? You know, how do I, how do I become better at winning souls? How do I become more intimate with the Lord? How do I impact children and teens for the gospel? And, and God, I believe, um, would like to continue to encourage us that nothing will profit all those desires and those thoughts, that ambition, more than prayer. Recently, you know, I, I find myself, as I am getting a little bit older and, and I'm being kind of stretched in my, as my role as a pastor, I've been doing a lot more counseling, you know, just making myself available, body ministry, just people coming in, life is hard, people working through hard things. And just to be able to, the privilege, just to be able to partner up with them and just stand with them in prayer. Now, I certainly, if the Lord gives the opportunity, I certainly love to give advice or counsel or wisdom. But boy, oh boy, more and more I find that I do not have the answers. I don't. I don't have steps. I don't have a program, but I, I have prayer. I do have prayer. And prayer is the mean that God has ordained for, for you and I to, to have those things, our list of our ambitions in the Lord. You know, those are good things, to have that kind of desire and that drive to serve and glorify and, and to, you know, God has gifted you and me, you know. He's, and then he's called us to, as a body of Christ to, to just to edify one another. And I love it. That's why I love coming here as a body of Christ. I need you, and you need me. He's, he's fabricated us together. It's beautiful that you guys come out and assemble. You know, not only is, is church a wonderful, scheduled interruption of the world's pull on you and me, it's, it's an opportunity for us to, to give to each other in only a way that God has designed. You have talents and gifts that he needs and vice versa. It's beautiful how the Lord's orchestrated. But prayer, prayer is, is, is ultimately going to be the vehicle for those things to be done. And the Lord desires us to, to accomplish that heart. He, he, he plants, it's not our flesh that puts those desires there. It's the Lord, it's the Spirit. So when we look at Paul's estimate of prayer, we see how it's so valued. And often how it's seen. See, Paul had no shame in constantly requesting for prayer for himself. And, and this challenges me. Um, we definitely need to pray for those we minister to or serve. But, but how often do you ask for prayer? 
it's kind of like when the more and more I realize how incredible and how necessary prayer is, why am I being timid to ask for prayer? I mean, I need to, I need to take advantage of that. In fact, it's, it's wonderful. Sometimes, you know, I'll have saints come in and out of my office, and it's incredible. Many times I'll have brothers that will come in my office, brothers and sisters that have walked with the Lord, you know, tenfold longer than I have, you know, have so much wisdom and experience. And, um, you know, but there might be a, a certain need and, and, and they need help or maybe even they look for counsel and, and um, such a privilege, though, to, to partner that and ask them for prayer. But even I'll have people that are just, just began their walk with the Lord and, and or, you know, in their life, they are working through so much drama, so much heartache that in their life right now, the, just their perspective on things is just this big, you know. And but to to ask them to pray for me, you know, and how wonderful it is to, you know, it's always a win whenever we get our eyes off ourselves, right? And that's why the Lord always encourages us others to be so others centered, you know. <laughs> when I just think about me, man, I'm I am just like I'm like a full time pity party, and but I get my eyes off myself. That's where I'm set free, you know. So I encourage you, take, a, take an estimate of, of how often you ask for prayer and uh, turn it up a notch. If you really understand and value its, its, its importance, value, how, that's how God gets things done. Paul, Paul was not timid to ask for prayer, was not. So this morning we could, um, there's, there's, you know, <clears throat> We could approach this idea of prayer through Paul in, in a handful of different ways, um, and they would all be good ways. Uh, we could spend time tackling why we need to pray. We could, we could look at Scripture and, and really satisfy that question, why we need to pray. Uh, we could also look at the characteristics of prayer, you know, pray without ceasing, perseverance, consistency, Strive, struggle, fight, prevail. All these awesome descriptive words about prayer. And, and they would all be fruitful angles. They would all be fruitful. But this morning, uh, I want to just look at a different approach. Instead of the way Paul prayed, um, let's look at what Paul prayed for. You follow me? You tracking with me? In other words, the kinds of things that Paul prayed for, the content, not necessarily why we should pray and and you know and, and the characteristics of prayer, but let's just let's just scratch the surface and look at one passage. Ultimately, I'm going to get there. Um, that what he prayed about, what he prayed for. And, and I believe this second approach, this, uh, you know, as, as, um, will produce the things of the first approach. Um, I, I believe that if we 
look at the content of what he prayed for, I believe the end result will get us to that spot where we will have perseverance and the characteristics of prayer and, and we'll understand how beneficial it is and why we should pray. If we really look at more of the, what he prayed about, and if we have that press in our, our hearts and minds, um, I believe it will make prayer, our prayer life fervent and alive, perhaps even force us or propel us to pray. And so what are the things that Paul is asking for? And uh, we won't pray without ceasing or fervently like Paul for our disciples unless we know what things He's asking God for. So the reason he prayed so persistently, it's because of those things. Remember, we exist as a church to do things. To do things we can't naturally do. Apart from a special and supernatural grace of God. We exist to do things that are humanly impossible. That is ultimately what Scripture is explaining to us. But the reality is, I don't see that at times. So, have you recently tried to describe or explain to someone what grace is? I'm sure you have. And we would probably begin to explain it as it's just... It's, it's a gift that we don't deserve, right? And we, we look at it often through the lens of the cross. You know, God has given us this relationship. He's given us forgiveness. He's given us atonement, at one in a sense. He's given us, you know, he, he looks at us as flawless and perfected through his son, Jesus Christ. I mean, it's a win, 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 win deal, you know, we have eternal life. We have so many benefits, right? We, rewards? I can't even get my mind around that. We have so much to look forward to. But when we talk about grace, think about it from this other angle. Remember Paul, when he was, he was describing, he had this um, this he described it as a thorn of the flesh. And um, it was basically a physical ailment. We don't know exactly what it was. You know, Commentators say that it might have been um, uh, just like splitting headaches, you know, awful migraines because of his eyesight and the prior beatings and stoning that he received and all that. But whatever it was, you know, he had brought it before the Lord and, and the Lord just encouraged him, said, you know, my grace is sufficient for you. And so that grace, what we see is, yes, it's an unmerited gift. It's something that you don't deserve, right? When you're just being selfish and nasty, and then all of a sudden you are given just more than the world, we don't deserve that. But also the grace here, it's almost like, you know, in our culture here, we have like an influx in all these superhero movies, right? And, um, you know, there's, you know, superpowers, superheroes. And um, in grace to the Christian, to you and me, 
is kind of like that that superpower, that supernatural ability to endure, to do things that are impossible and improbable. For someone to work through cancer or or just horrible, you know, difficulties and challenges in their life and physical ailments, but yet to still have a joy and perspective and a hunger and a desire to live and to serve the Lord. That's that's like that's like a superpower. That's grace. That's supernatural. And so, going back to this, see, sometimes I don't see that. Because serving or ministry, just think, about, just think about the calling that the Lord has on your life. You know, and for, or for some of you, right now, it might be a window. You, you are raising young children. And, and, and a lot of your day may seem really mundane, but it's very important. And the Lord's called you that to bring him glory. You might be, you know, in a factory and you're just, you're turning bolts all day. And you're thinking, what, you know, how does this impact the kingdom? Hey, whatever the Lord calls us to, and we faithfully do that, that, my friends, is worship. What we did this morning, beautiful worship and praise, but praise is just a small component of worship. It's whatever the Lord calls us to do to be faithful and to and, and talk about don't I find like so many of my prayers when I become thankful is is I am so thankful for God's faithfulness. He's just so faithful. When I run away, he come he brings me back. When 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 I feel so discouraged, he, he brings encouragement. He's just so faithful in all avenues. So for you to go to a job day after day after day and, and punch in and punch out, and, 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 and believe me, those things matter to our Lord because it emulates his character. He's faithful. He's consistent. It's beautiful. It's worship to him. And so, but a lot of what we do in our day-to-day in our estimate, can seem like it's just kind of mundane, kind of the grind. And, you know, and that might be a little bit hard to swallow when you size up um, many things that we do during the day, but, you know, for me, I go to church. In the morning, I make some phone calls, check emails, social media, study a bit, do a gym class for the kids, plan some events, visit with some students, make the rounds. I'll go to a campus. We, we've had some outreach down at a local community college. And, and the problem is, is in my heart, I got this little attitude, and I don't, I don't even know it's there. What about that seems so impossible? What about that seems so impossible to make a phone call, check emails, visit with students? But the reality is, I'm queued up, you and I are queued up to do the impossible. And the problem is that many of these things can happen 
without a special or a supernatural grace. You know, most of us kind of just operate in this spot where it's just like a common grace. It's like, you know, you, you can just, you know, God has given you the ability and you, and you just do it just kind of like a common, normal grace. You know, there's power there. God's everyday provincial dealings and some common grace sustains, you know, our thinking and, and our bodies and, and the world around us. And most of what we do does operate and exist in that common grace. Even though it's true, we're purposed to do much more than that. You and I are called to do far more than that. In ministry or in serving, part of what we do is to teach and preach, but we don't exist exclusively to do that. We exist to preach in the power of the Holy Spirit in a way that hearts will be awakened from their unbelief. Their lives to be transformed in a greater way than any one of our messages could ever produce, any of our conversations could ever produce. And just based on common grace, I, I can I can prepare Bible studies, I can share on the streets, I can offer wisdom to kids. I can plan events, host outreaches, teach Sunday school. I can do all those things. But what I'm hoping today is once again that that God visits us and just speaks to us. Visits us through this this tool. <laughs> um, you know, we exist to preach and serve in the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's that's supernatural. That's a super power and that that's what's going to transform lives <clears throat> and and that's humanly impossible isn't it many of us have experienced we we raise children and all oh, we give it our best and we're fully aware of our our failings and our inconsistencies but you step back and you look, and, and especially when your children go astray and, or they have a certain bent and they're not walking with the Lord, it's not your fault. You know, there's, there's, the reality is their heart. Their heart is wicked because our hearts were wicked. And we can do everything right and possible, but it's an impossible task. You know, so in Romans chapter three, you guys are really familiar with this. We we use this often when we're we're explaining to people the condition of man's heart before Christ. Romans three eleven: There is none that understandeth; there is none that seek after God. What does that mean? No one. No one. You know, without being born again, we can't, people can't interpret what's right. 
Science is messed up. Marriages are out of whack. Behavior's only destructive. That's what it means. None can understand God. None seek after God. That's what that means. But I'm so thankful. It's the Lord that intervenes. It's the Holy Spirit. I like, as you survey through Acts, you see the three, there's three wonderful Greek prefixes that, that identify how the Holy Spirit, how the Lord works. Before we know Christ, we see that the Holy Spirit comes alongside the paraclites, and, and he draws people to him. He makes them aware of the condition of their heart. Only God can do that. A unique, unique characteristic of Christianity. God initiates the relationship. And then when someone understands their need for Christ, then they receive Christ and, and born again. And the Holy Spirit now, we see a different preposition used as you go through Acts. The Holy Spirit is now deposited in a life. And actually the Greek prefix is E-N-N. You're sealed. No one can take you, pluck you out of his hand. But then we see this other beautiful work of the Holy Spirit, and it's the apie. It's when the, the disciples were in the upper room being obedient to Christ after the 40 days, and they say, wait for the promise of the Father to be endued from on high, to be baptized with the Holy Spirit be filled with the Holy Spirit. It was a different work than the Holy Spirit came upon. And so, but it's the paraclites. It's, it's impossible for you and me. We can talk and do everything right, but it's impossible. We can't touch that. It can only be done by the Lord himself. And we see in verse 12, they have all gone out of their way and they are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher and their tongues, which they have used deceit, the poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. In other words, their mouth is filthy. You know, people are picked on, they're torn down. That's the condition of the unregenerate heart and mind. Their feet are swift to shed blood, murderers and haters in their hearts. Destruction and misery are their ways, easy for people to, to enter in destruction and misery. It's our bent. It's our bent. And the way of peace they have not known. So they desire peace, but it's unnatural for them to find it. There's no fear of God before their eyes, and, and we see this. In our culture, people have no respect for God. They have no respect for authority, teachers, parents. They have no respect for themselves. And we see it. It's because of this. And so, again, as a church, we exist to do what cannot be done from the supernatural grace of God. We want to serve. We want to do things in a way that God is glorified and uh, and we need, we're asked to do what's humanly impossible. And, and burdens, a burden for prayer is often, often comes when we see a critical need. But, but that alone 
is not enough. In fact, some of us with our personalities, if there's a need and, and we're just left with that, it's very discouraging to us. Have you experienced that? Just a great need, an overwhelming need, and, and it can just kind of shut you down. Feeling of the need gives us this key word, it's impossible. But when it's joined with the feeling of hope, or the reality of hope, because it's more of a feeling, it's, it's actually an expression of our faith, that God can do it, and that's powerful. You know, as a younger pastor, I realized I lacked passion for a heart towards some aspects of prayer. And um, I might have shared this with you before, uh, but I just can't shake it. It's just been uh, an incredible work that the Lord's done in my life. But um, as a, you know, a freshly ordained pastor, a young man on the block, Serving and worshiping with a church full of just incredible seasoned saints, believers that I would look to as my spiritual father and mom, people that have invested deep in my life. But I have this now, this privilege to to serve them. And so at our church, you know, we'd get these and the prayer chain. Okay, people going through different hard issues of life, and we lift up in prayer. But I have to admit. As a younger man, I've always been very coddled. I didn't experience a lot of injury or pain and discomfort. I, I was just always preserved from that. Always had a strong back. You know, didn't, didn't know what a terminal pain would feel like. And so when I would get these prayer requests among the body, I, I, I was grieved because I tried not to just like gloss over it real quick. You know, like, I, I really wanted to be heartfelt towards it. But I had a little hard time identifying. And I just brought it before the Lord. And sure, in time, you know, now I can, now I can just as my body's breaking down. And, but I had an accident at one point, and, and, um, and, and, it, and it offered a lot of discomfort. And, um, but it was a beautiful thing. Because ultimately, now when I sit with my more seasoned friends and they talk about the discomfort that they go through, I can identify with that. And, and you know, and, and, and Isaiah writes of that in 67, or, uh, chapter 64, verse 7. He says, and There is no one who calls on your name who stirs himself up to take hold of you. The idea is there, there's not, there wasn't a passion there. In behind prayer. And so there's two, and just kind of concluding here, there's, there's two elements that are vital to prayer. Mission impossible, and God can do it. See, often we don't feel the need, needs of people around us, so, so we don't pray. And sometimes the feeling of hope is not strong enough in our hearts, and, and we get depressed, and then we try to fix that. But 
But we need to come to terms with our insufficiency that what is before us is impossible, naturally, humanly impossible, but it's possible for God. And if we feel great needs and have hope that God can answer, we will fight, strive, and engage without ceasing. We will never pray as passionately or persistently as Paul did unless we feel the need that he did and ask for the impossible kinds of things that he labored for. And so, in closing, let's look at Ephesians 3 and let me just satisfy the content of Paul's prayer. In chapter 3, verse 14, he writes, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. See, Paul here is praying for something he can't do. Can he strengthen someone's inner man with power? No way. In verse 17 he says, That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. I love these terms, rooted and grounded. I, I like these just farming organic terms. You know, for us now everything is so plugged in, you know, connected. Um, it's just nice to go back to our roots. He's praying in the Spirit, praying that the Spirit would strengthen with power by the Holy Spirit so that Jesus would come and dwell in them. He's praying for the church here. He's praying for the people that he's serving and ministering to. He's praying that the Spirit would strengthen them with, with power by the Holy Spirit so that Jesus would come and dwell in them so that they would be rooted and grounded in love. If you want to see people that you're proximal to, rooted and grounded in love in Christ, it doesn't happen until Christ comes and dwells in their hearts. And Christ will not come and dwell in their hearts until it is strengthened through the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and then Paul returns to this request again. He says, may be able to comprehend with all saints, that is, the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. See, I can see why Paul prayed. Look, just look at the things that he prayed for. It was, a, it was an impossible thing that he was requesting, that the flock of God would comprehend the dimensions of God's love. He, he, wants, he wanted them to know the love of Christ that surpasses all our understanding. Be filled with all the fullness of God. You know, and often my mindset 
it needs to be rebuked. You know, every church has its share of, of challenging people, right? Every ministry, every church. And, and, and the question I have to ask myself is, you know, what do I want for them? What am I hoping for them? You know, with the youth, it may be, oh, I, I, I'd just be happy if they'd stop hitting, the, hitting on the girls, you know. Instead of, you know, oh, who's, who's might be interested? You know, or, or, oh, man, I just, I wish they would just stop talking, you know, during study, you know. Um, it's kind of like a shallow expectancy, expectation. You know, and, and the reality is, no wonder I don't pray more. Um, you know, I, I don't have this deep desire like Paul did. Paul would look at the people and he'd say, I, I want them to comprehend the dimensions of God's love. And that's impossible. But God is possible. Comprehend has to do with the mind. To know has to do with the heart. And he wants them to think and feel it. He wants it to affect them, experience the love of Jesus, that they might be filled with all fullness of God. And it's humanly impossible. Paul saw this as the, a desperate need for the church. He saw these things as essential and vital. And how do we get people who are overwhelmed, harassed, tempted, lied to by the world they live in? How do we call people out of darkness, separate, separated um, from God because of their sins? How do we get them to become lovers of Jesus with all their soul and their heart? How do we see a person lay down his own life and give it joyfully for the service of our king? How do we do that? How could we possibly do that? We pray. Right? We pray. The last thing the Lord wants us to do, I think, is, is to make us feel horrible about our prayer life. Okay? He doesn't want to do that. It should be challenging. It, it, it most likely is convicting. But he wants us to have a hope in our heart, knowing that he set us up for the impossible to show us that he's possible. And Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Amen? Would you stand with me and let's pray? Well, Heavenly Father, we just uh, just simply want to thank you for just a sweet reminder that um, that Lord, you you have uh, called us to um, a layer of service that is beyond just the the common the sustaining grace that you've you've offered, Lord. But you have a you have a special work, Lord, that you desire to do in us through us. 
anesthesy, a, a supernatural grace to achieve impossible things by a possible God, a God who is able to make all things possible. And so, Lord, would you encourage us, Lord, and, and, and as we just maybe change the, the things that we ask for when it comes to praying for the people that you've put in our lives and our hearts, Lord, would you make us very mindful of our insufficiency, Lord, but with clarity, Lord, that you're, that you're able. And would, Lord, with that, you birth that consistency and that devotion. And, and so, Lord, we, we do, Lord, just want to thank you and... and uh, this morning, we do pray for our church, for our family, that, Lord, um, all those that you put in our lives, Lord, that, uh, that they would, Lord, um, that the Holy Spirit would have full and free reign in their hearts, drawing them to you. making them aware, Lord, of, of your power and your plan and your purpose for their lives. And Lord, would you, would you cause them, Lord, to, to know and to understand the dimensions of your love? How loved we truly are, how secure we are, how special, how devoted you are to us, Lord. Would you show them that? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, thanks, my friends.